are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Isaiah holds in on a Thursday, as always. He's going to break down the week to betting lines, but also just preview every game around the Big Ten this week. A whole lot of not-so-exciting games, maybe for your team, but of course, Iowa-Iowa State to talk about. Ohio State has a big out-of-conference matchup, too. We'll get to all of it right here with Isaiah in just a second. Our show today is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit Rock Auto and tell them Locked On sent you. You can put in Locked On in their little how-did-you-hear-about-us box if you end up using the service. Again, we've got Isaiah in, and it's a good conversation, a long conversation with Isaiah. So we're going to get right into it. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. I'm Nate Dickinson. We'll be in with Isaiah in just a moment. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. Well, it's that time of year when you want to go out and take the car for a cruise, but you never want anything to go wrong when you're trying to relax out there on the road. So go on over to rockauto.com and make sure that you're getting all the parts that you may need for a repair or just an upgrade on your car at the best price and with the easiest route to getting it done, too. Rock Auto has everything that you might need for your car. They can make sure that the part that you're getting is the perfect part exactly that you need. And they cut out the middleman of either the dealership or the part shop that can upcharge you quite a bit. You'll get the best prices and it delivered to your front door right there at rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com, and if you end up using the service, make sure you let them know that you heard from us by hitting Locked On in their little How Did You Hear About Us box. Back here on Locked On Big Ten, we're looking at the preview for the upcoming week of college football around the conference, and we're joined by a Michigan reporter and our Michigan reporter here at Locked On Wolverines, Isaiah Hull, to talk about everything single game going on this week. Isaiah, we'll start with here your Wolverines, and thanks for joining us as you do every Thursday as our co-host here. What do you think about, first, what the Wolverines did against Western last week? No one was really worried about that game, but the spread wasn't huge, huge. Michigan ended up putting up a good showing. Yeah. Uh, well, no one was really worried. I mean, it, that because, I mean, it was a disparity between talent. And uh, I, I think that there were some people out there that were still thinking that Western probably had a shot, you know, considering how Michigan looked last year, how much better or, or is, you know, Rutgers really from Western Michigan, uh, I think would be the question that you'd ask going back to last year. And you think about, how Michigan went to triple overtime against Rutgers. Uh, so there, I think it was a little bit more of a concern of what Michigan were we going to get, uh, considering how much they spoke about, uh, about having a different kind of energy this year and about uh, all, all the things that they, they worked on in the offseason. I, I think people are really jaded when it comes to uh, hearing these offseason reports from Michigan in particular, because uh, they've spent a lot of time talking about how, you know, how, good they looked in practice what players were going to step up only for us to see uh that not necessarily come to fruition uh so there certainly was that question and then they go out and they play pretty much a complete game uh all three phases really worked in michigan's favor uh obviously the the big thing was the run game led by blake quorum hassan haskins also had a big game but uh, Blake Corum with 111 yards on the ground at a 79 yard uh, kick return uh, got a touchdown in receiving game as well 
by all accounts, the, the run game was, was top notch. Hassan Haskins added another touchdown in the long run. Uh, and then you got a little bit from the quarterback and Cade McNamara. I didn't ask him to do much, went for nine for 11 uh, for 136 yards. You had uh, JJ McCarthy add another 80 yards on four for six passing. Uh, and then the defense, I think, was the bigger question than the offense. A lot of people was t- were talking uh, naturally about the offense because it's been uh, it was a net last year. But the defense is what really was uh, a trouble spot for the Wolverines a year ago. So to be able to see them come out and actually uh, like they let up an opening drive touchdown uh, after a penalty kind of had that. Here we go again. But then they clamped down. Now, Sky Moore did go out with an injury on the the first drive. Uh, but Michigan said afterwards it was a concerted effort to take away uh, one play that was the bread and butter of the Broncos. So that makes you feel a little bit better in the sense of you've got some unpredictability uh, on the defense that didn't exist last year. Uh, they were flying to the ball. I think by all accounts, they, they looked really good on that side as well. So uh, really, it, it was a complete game, but Obviously, it takes a big step forward in competition level with Washington coming to town here in a couple of days. Actually, they'll be in Michigan uh, sometime tonight because they're going to practice here in uh, in Michigan uh, at 8 p.m., Jimmy Lake said. So, Well, we're here to talk about the games, and I'll ask about Washington next. But first, just real quick, how much does that Ronnie Bell injury hurt the flow of this offense? Well, it, it is a big blow, but I think it's more from a, a leadership standpoint. When you look at Ronnie Bell, I mean, he, he's been Michigan's best receiver the last couple of years. And when you think about some of the receivers he played with, uh, two of them are in the NFL now, and Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, those guys were, were the ones that everyone thought were going to be, the, uh, be those big-time receivers, yet Ronnie Bell outplayed them in the last two years. I mean, Tariq Black also uh, in the NFL uh, as well. Obviously, he wasn't there the entire time Ronnie was. He transferred to Texas, but... I think that if there is a room out of all of the position groups that Michigan has where you can afford to lose your top playmaker, it's probably wide receiver uh, because it's just, it's a really deep, but unproven unit. They have a lot of guys that are kind of been waiting to step up. I look at AJ Henning as being someone, and we saw him with a long touchdown uh, though. It was on a jet sweep uh, last week. Uh, a lot of guys that have a similar skill set that just haven't had that opportunity as of yet to be able to uh, showcase what they can do. Uh, any other position group, I think that, you, you know, like the running back room is really deep, but uh, there are fewer bodies there. You lose one of the main guys. Now you, you just don't necessarily have that type of production. Uh, there's a lot of other guys that you can look at here. Uh, obviously Cornelius Johnson is a, uh, is a big one. Uh, you look at uh, Mike Sainer still, who that didn't necessarily have the production, but it was really good in the blocking game. Uh, but he's a similar type of receiver in the sense that he's got a lot of speed, uh, can definitely do the yards after catch. We just haven't seen a lot of targets come Mike Sainer still's way yet. Uh, A.J. Henning, like I mentioned, Roman Wilson is another uh, yards after catch guru because that's where Ronnie Bell really thrived was getting the ball in his hands, but then doing something with it afterwards. So there's all those guys, a couple true freshmen and Andrew Anthony and uh, and Christian Dixon. Not sure if we'll see Dixon, but Dalen Baldwin is another one that uh, certainly could pick up some slack. He was injured in fall camp, uh, according to Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator. 
but now he's getting healthy, ended up playing at the tail end of the game. They intend on getting him more involved this week and moving forward. So there are a lot of bodies. It's definitely a big blow to the offense, but it's probably the one position group that could withstand having a major, major contributor uh, being taken away. Well, we'll see how that wide receiver room holds up. We'll see how Cade McNamara holds up in the weekend without one of his bigger weapons against, as you mentioned, one of the bigger tests to start off this season in Washington. It's a seven-point favorite still for the Wolverines. All the lines will tell you here, provided by betonline.ag, of course. It's a home game, though, for Michigan, so that seven-point favorite, of course, gets taken down a little bit by that. What are you seeing as far as just what Michigan could, could not be able to do against what Washington has on its roster? Well, it's really difficult to evaluate because not only did Washington uh, lose to FCS-level Montana last week and look uh, pretty anemic on the offensive side of the ball. The offense, they, there's a lot of different receivers that we may or may not see. Uh, Jalen Polk is out for the season, got injured on the first play of the game. Uh, that was probably going to be one of their go-to receivers. They've got a, a couple others, and I don't want to butcher their names, like Ro <laughs> Roma Dunze and, and some others that are week-to-week -week right now. Uh, whether they play this week or not, uh, I mean, right now is they, they have four scholarship receivers that you can say are healthy one of them being former Michigan receiver Giles Jackson, uh, but not a lot of targets there. And they, they really weren't able to run the ball either this week. But at the same time, you look at that line and you think that part of that is Washington's clearly going to have a chip on its shoulder. Uh, we don't really know much about either of these teams in a lot of ways. Yes, Washington lost a game. It absolutely had no business losing. It should have gone out and pounded Montana in a similar way to how Michigan did against Western Michigan. But uh, it, I think you're, you're going to see a much better, more focused Washington team based off of what just happened. Uh, still, the defense is extremely solid. So I think the question is, is, is Washington's offense going to be able to find enough juice to maybe put that Michigan defense, which is still trying to find maybe some of its footing under uh, Mike McDonald. And he's got one game under his belt, the new defensive coordinator. Uh, but uh, is it able to maybe find a little bit of its footing when now that it's back is against the wall and really has to do something. Um, and on, on the other end, you look at Michigan's offense, how much are they going to be able to run the ball against a stout defense? Now, Washington has, uh, they, they have been given up points before. They didn't obviously this last week, but last year uh, they were given up uh, about 25 points a game. So if that ends up being the case, then certainly I can see Michigan being able to, to get some things done. Uh, but uh, it's an intriguing matchup because, you know, how much can you really glean from uh, two teams playing lesser opponents, even if one of those teams did end up losing. Uh, so uh, we're going to find out if, uh, if Washington was just unfocused in week one and or if, uh, if Michigan really is for real. Because uh, certainly last year we saw Michigan look the part of a college football playoff contender in week one before looking completely disinterested in playing football for the rest of the season. Is that what it is really here, Isaiah? Because I mean, you mentioned intriguing matchup. How much can we take from one week? But fact of the matter is this team still lost to an FCS team. Well, Michigan looked really good last week. I mean, you have to be feeling at least a little bit more secure that this is going to be a win here than you were say a week ago this was initially billed as like the first real test for Michigan this season has that been at least dulled a little bit by what happened 
mainly with Washington last week, but also with how good Michigan looked too? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't tempered a bit, of course, yeah. because I mean, when you lose to an FCS school, uh, all bets are off. I think back, obviously, to back when I was a Michigan student, Michigan lost to Appalachian State. Uh, that was a number that was a, a, a school that was ranked number five at the time, Michigan. Granted, App State was the defending SCS champion, so they weren't exactly a slouch, but there's still no no reason why the number five school in the country or one that was uh, was three points away from going to a national title game, uh, returning almost everybody. Uh, why it should struggle like that but then you, you saw what happened that week and then the next week Michigan hosted Oregon uh, which ended up being really good Re- you know Dennis Dixon and all of those uh, those players uh, but Oregon wasn't thought of as being much of a team coming to Ann Arbor at that time and then Michigan got ran off of its own field uh, so you wonder how much confidence a team like Washington is going to have, whereas Michigan is going to probably have utmost confidence and they're saying all the right things, right? They remember being huge favorites last year going into the Michigan state game and then losing. So they're, they're taking this approach of uh, game by game. We can't sit there and praise ourselves after what we did last week, but again, Washington's going to be, they're going to, they don't want to be in Michigan 2007 shoes, right? They want to prove that, they that last week was an aberration so i think they're going to get everything that they you know they're going to give everything that they can give in this game i thought michigan was i picked michigan to win this game regardless in the preseason uh just because i i didn't really know what washington was going to be uh yeah we got to see a three and one washington team last year but uh you, you question uh how how good were they really uh, you know playing a very shortened pac 12 schedule um, Jimmy Lake's first year, not getting non-conference. I think that was just, that's a big thing when you don't get to see conference foes go up against each other. Uh, so I, I, I still think that, uh, obviously Michigan deserves to be the favorite. I still am sticking with my prediction that Michigan wins. I think the question now is seeing how much fight Washington gives them and how much Michigan it, it has it found enough of a groove where it can impose its will on another team that doesn't want its will imposed upon. Yeah. Again, Michigan fans probably feeling a whole lot better than a week ago about just what will happen in this game based on what happened last week. But again, it's Michigan. I guess I forgot a little bit about that. You guys have been through some stuff over the past few years, at least for sure. Yeah. All right, let's move on here again, not a seven point spread in favor of the Wolverines here on BetOnline.ag. Next matchup, Illinois goes on the road to Virginia as a 10-point underdog. I don't feel too strongly either way about this matchup, really. I mean, Illinois looked not so great against UTSA, which to its credit is a team that had, I think it was only like a four and a half point favorite in that matchup. It wasn't like a poor, poor team. But Virginia is seemingly just a more put-together team than what Illinois has, even if it's not going to do anything in the ACC this year. I, I don't know. Were there any notes from you on this matchup? Well, the, the Cavaliers were pretty good last year, so I, I'm not surprised. I, I Indiana, uh, Indiana, Illinois had been my bottom of the barrel team going into the season. I obviously right. their win over Nebraska kind of changed things uh, in in my eyes, and I think that also uh, Northwestern's game against Michigan State maybe let them rise up a little bit. Uh, granted, the fact that you couldn't you couldn't take care of UTSA at home that that shows that you're not necessarily ready. The defense is uh, a little scary there, uh, but going on the road, 
this being the road test, I, I still think that, uh, that Illinois is a team that we don't know what we're going to get on a weekly basis. I think that spreads a little high, uh, but uh, I, I, I'm picking Virginia to win. That's one of the few games this week that I think that the Big Ten won't prevail. But uh, it, it's if I think it might be a little bit different, even though Sitkowski played really well this past week, you know, he wasn't, uh, wasn't the issue of course, but uh, the defense that Illinois got right now, it scares me a little bit. And of course they lost a lot of, they lost some, some talent there. Milo Eifler and is the the name that comes to mind, the linebacker. Um, so I I'm curious to see 11 AM kick too. It's a little bit early for all parties involved. Uh, curious to see how, uh, how they do in Brett Bielema's first year. I think it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. We'll see some games like the Nebraska game when Illinois ends up surprising. And then there will be other games like uh, what happened last week where they surprise in the wrong way. I don't have much to say on Minnesota, Miami of Ohio. That's at 19 and a half points. I guess the only real question is like how much of a drop off do you think Minnesota has without Malibrahim on offense? I guess, but again, mm -hmm. I don't want to really get too much into that game. Rutgers is on the road at Syracuse, a two-point underdog in the battle of New York's college teams, I guess. That, that was when I was at school, something that people cared about in that state. I never did. But anyway, <laughs> Rutgers plus two. It's it, it, Rutgers minus two. I'm sorry. Two-point favorites on the road. Syracuse, a home dog is what I meant to mention. But yes, Rutgers, a team that's, again, not supposed to do much in the Big Ten. Syracuse, not supposed to do much in the ACC. I, I don't know how much to get into here. I'm just kind of just rolling through the games well, that we don't need to get that much. Well, I do want to, I do want to touch on that only for the sake of, this is what we're going to find out. If, because obviously uh, it, it's hard to glean a ton from the, the, the win over temple, except for, because temp, temple wasn't going to be any good, whatever, but still that's the type of game where Rutgers would have struggled in the past, yeah. I think. And they dominated so it, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do that against a, a much better team, a power five team. Uh, again, not a team that's going to do anything in the ACC, but if, if Rutgers can go out and impose its will again, then I think that changes a lot for the complexion of the big tennis. So I think it's, I mean, wins against Syracuse sometimes are overrated. You think back to Maryland a couple of years ago and uh, Maryland ran Syracuse off the field and everyone thought that, all right, Maryland, Penn State, let's see it. And it was like, nope, Maryland's still what we thought that they probably were. Yes, that was the Scott Schaefer revenge game. No, 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 he was in Middle Tennessee <laughs> State then, no. But yeah, it was, again, it can be unpredictable, these non-conference games, no matter what. But Rutgers, like you said or mentioned, I think that spread with Temple was only like three possessions, 17 points maybe. So Vegas at least had Rutgers as like a borderline incompetent, really bad football team. They looked good at mm -hmm. least good enough to be able to put some question marks again in our heads here. Moving on to the big Ohio State game against Oregon. It's a big game as far as names go. Again, Oregon, Ohio State. But the spread is pretty much right where it was for the Ohio State-Minnesota game, two touchdowns. This was, as Michigan's test this week is billed as the first big test of the season for the Buckeyes. Is it going to play out that way at all? I don't see Oregon being able to pull off anything big. This seems like an example of kind of like it was with Minnesota, a potentially good team that's going up against a great team early. Well, Ohio State, I think, presented a lot of questions in week one against Minnesota. 
Uh, obviously, you, Mohi Ibrahim is uh, really good, uh, but it made, made you wonder how much are they going to be able to stop the run? I mean, the defense just looked problematic in a lot of ways, and I'm not necessarily sure what you're going to get from the offense with CJ Stroud leading the, leading the charge. Granted, it was his first game. It's on the road. Uh, it's, I mean, the game played out pretty much as I expected, to be honest, in the sense of I thought Minnesota was going to give them, give them hell for three quarters. And then Ohio state was going to pull away, but, uh, Stroud really had to rely very heavily on his playmakers as she should, given the depth of that wide receiver room. I was going into Saturday, this past Saturday thinking, all right, I think Oregon's going to end up coming away with the upset before Oregon really struggled in uh, its week one performance. So I do think that brings us back to the status quo and makes you say, all right, if Oregon's struggling against that level of competition, then it's going to be a lot more difficult for them when they go up against arguably at worst, one of the top five teams in all of college football, uh, especially on their own home turf. Uh, now that said, anything can happen, right? If the Oregon's defense can can figure out something to uh, to to slow down uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, and maybe some of these other guys that we haven't seen as much, Julian Fleming and uh, Smith and Jigba, we saw just a tiny bit last week. But uh, if you can slow down the receivers and try to force them to run the ball as good as Mayan Williams and uh, Travion Henderson looked. Uh, I think that gives you a fighting chance. I think Oregon's offense should be able to get some points on the board. Uh, but uh, I, I do still think that Ohio State will end up winning and covering. Yeah, those Buckeyes looked at times in the receiving core just like they were playing in a different league than Minnesota for parts of that game. And the stat sheet obviously shows it too. So we'll see what kind of fireworks the Buckeyes are able to bring out there this weekend. And of course, what will be a big watched game is nationally, not just here in the Big Ten. We're going to finish up here with Isaiah in just a moment. We'll take a quick break and take a quick breather. When we come back, we'll get through the rest of the games here on Locked On Big Ten. I'm Nate Dickinson with Locked On. We got a new sponsor to tell you about, and it's Sweatblock. Now, Sweatblock has, if you don't know, some of the best products out there to just making sure that you're not sweating too much. It's the summer months, and it's the dog days of summer now in August. But Sweatblock has you covered. If you have that one shirt that you tried on at the store. It fit perfectly, you looked great. Perfect shirt for you. But then you go out in that hot weather for the first time in it, and it just absolutely gets drenched in sweat. Some people sweat a lot, but some clothes just aren't meant to take any sort of sweat really, it seems. So if you end up having one of those shirts that just you seem to sweat through every time, or if you do just seem to sweat more than normal people, you can try out the sweat block wipes to see if it will work for you. And if it doesn't, they'll get your money back. These things are up to seven days effective on your underarms with one set of wipes. Just wipe them on your arms real nice and easy to do, and you're protected, good to go for up to a week. And again, if it doesn't keep your underarms dry, they will refund you your money. And you can save money, too, by using our promo code at the site. Go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your order. That's 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, the promo code. Go try them out. You're going to come back for more. This stuff really, really does work. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs. 
The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. Whatever your need may be, as far as sports betting goes, betonline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to betonline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with too. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use our promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in. Just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on Locked On Big Ten alongside our Thursday co-host Isaiah Hole. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're breaking down every game in the Big Ten this week as we preview week two. A whole lot of teams with things to prove or to try and continue on the role that they've started on. We'll, of course, get to the biggest game of the week in just a little bit, but we've got to talk about everything, of course, that goes on in the Big Ten here on the show. That's what we promise you. So we'll start with some of the uglier lines out there in the conference right now. Out in Wisconsin, the Badgers are favored by 26 against Eastern Michigan. Wisconsin gets a chance to hopefully have its offense look a little bit better this week, maybe Isaiah and get some points on the board, get Graham Mertz into a bit of a rhythm and try to get back on track after a week one performance against a really good Penn state team, but one in which it was less than what Badger fans were hoping for from that offense and from their quarterback who they've heard so much about through the off season. Yeah. I don't know how much we really learned about, uh, about either Penn state or Wisconsin uh, this last week, because I, I think that you had two teams that were kind of in the same boat, you know, coming out of last year, both teams were really not very good. I know that Wisconsin looked really good to open the season last year, both against uh, Illinois and at, uh, at Michigan. Uh, but uh, again, you know, Michigan was really bad uh, a year ago and uh, at Illinois obviously was even worse. So I, I didn't really know what, what Wisconsin team was, we were going to be able to see. Uh, and the fact that, that the Badgers and the, and the Nittany Lions uh, that they had a, that they had just a big squaring off. And I forgot I have a microphone there, but uh, squaring off that way. Uh, it, it didn't really tell me much about what we're going to see when they play other teams. I think that's where this non-conference gets a little bit more interesting, right? Because uh, will Graham Mertz look like he did against Illinois to open the season last year when he was 21 of 22 and, uh, and, I think, you know, you're going to get a good defense for the most part uh, from the Badgers, but will that offense start to come together It's too many veteran players. And I really liked what I saw from Ches Malusi, the former Clemson transfer, uh, a guy that I, I remember Michigan going after him really hard before he ended up going to Clemson. Uh, I believe I interviewed him back all the way back when I was at 24 seven sports, which was uh, like four years ago now. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm really curious to see And Eastern Michigan is, it's not the Eastern Michigan of old either, right? Like it's, it's a team that's been one of the better teams in the Mac the last couple of years. So uh, they've, they've had some upsets here and there, not against a team of the caliber of Wisconsin, Wisconsin should roll, but if they don't, because we did see in week one, a lot of issues, right. With some of those teams, like obviously Washington did lose Oregon and kept things close. Oklahoma kept things close, right? You had all these teams, Iowa state, that that 
you would expect to roll them to roll based off the opponent they were facing and they didn't. So we're going to learn this week with Wisconsin. If there is something deeper, some deeper seated issues that they have, uh, because I mean, their schedule is pretty punishing. Uh, so if we re- really need to see if the Badgers can get back to what we expected them to look like, uh, otherwise it, I think all the chips are going to be pushed towards, uh, probably Iowa if uh, Wisconsin doesn't find its groove in this week. Well, that's what these early kind of warm-up matches are all about, really, for these teams. You, you learn and try to answer the questions that you had in practice. For the fans, try to answer the questions you had after the first matchup. How much of this was just Penn State's defense being good? How much of it was the fact that Wisconsin just wasn't able to really put anything together? I think that at least Badger fans are going to have a better idea of just how worried they are about that offense after this week. And of course the games to come before they get back into that big 10 schedule. Again, a big first test for the Badgers really tough to start out. zero and one, but they'll hopefully get back on track pretty easy when they get back out on the field here this weekend, Penn state is playing ball state. It's a 22 point spread in this matchup, a similar kind of thing. Ball state, mm-hmm. pretty good team in the Mac facing off against a Big Ten team that's looking to try and figure out exactly what it needs to work on still. This is a formula that's been used uh, time and time again throughout the last few years, and the second time we'll talk about it right now. Yeah, I mean, same exact deal. I mean, the offense, it's new offensive coordinator. I I don't think that you you saw some big plays take place, particularly in the passing game. Jahan Dotson looked really good for Penn State. I still am not sold on Sean Clifford, right? And I think it hurts that you don't have that that backup and Will Levis, who's now starting over at Kentucky and looked really good in his debut, uh, you know, with, with the new offense, it, you know, it's, you really got to see some of those things, particularly look at the run game, right? Because what is, you know, every, everyone talks about how good that running back stable is for Penn state. We didn't really get to see it last week, granted playing against a much stouter defense in Wisconsin ball state should give them an opportunity to run the ball. Uh, I would expect that if Penn state, Considering that they were the victors in the in the game against Wisconsin, they found a way to win. Uh, I think that the the next key is to see the Nittany Lions come out and have that same look as what Michigan did against Western Michigan. I think it, that uh, I have a little bit more faith in Penn State based off of what they were able to do against Wisconsin, some of the big plays, but they do need to figure out a lot more on the offensive side of the ball than they do on the defensive. Moving on, Purdue is a big, big favorite on the road, actually, against Mm -hmm. Connecticut, but 34 points is the current spread. It's one where, like, they they don't even have the money line on the board at betonline.ag. So, UConn is in, I mean, they're in disarray. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't, if you're, there's no excuse if you're Purdue, if you don't uh, walk away with that. I mean, Edsel's out, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, you got to take advantage of that. Right. And another game that honestly, Boilermakers are going to have, chances to prove whether or not they're going to be able to be legit in this big 10. There's a chance for Purdue to be able to stand up and be in the middle of those standings, but we'll see exactly where they are. They're in that like middle of the pack and they could sift to the top of it if they play well, but this is a game where it's just, they, they better play well. You know, it's like one of those things where like, that's the matchup where like, if, if things aren't looking good here, that's like, all right, let's focus on this tomorrow in practice. That's not a, a gradually fixed kind of thing with that matchup. No, no, not much to say there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moving on. I 
think, and I'm trying to make sure what we're missing here on lines. You haven't had an Indiana yet. Are they on a buy? I'll check real quick. I don't see them there yet. So while I make sure that we're not missing anything, uh, let's get to the game of the week. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, I don't know if El Asico is locked on podcast network approved.